0: it all together. Hey, I'm Randy Woodley. I'm Bo Sanders.
1: We're here for you, and today we are going to talk about critical race theory. Now, that might sound like something really lofty, but we're going to break it down for you. And you know what? We have an expert with us today, Mr. Bo Sanders.
0: (laughs) Bo, tell us what critical race theory is. Oh, boy. So, critical theory is uh, an approach to examining power structures and institutions uh, and dynamics within society and culture that has developed over the last, say, 90 years. Uh, And it's, you know, it has evolved a lot in in its 90 years. And so it has made its way down from the academy to the street level. And so it's quite actually a popular approach these days and which has garnered it quite a bit of attention in the moment that we live in with these protests for George Floyd against p- police brutality and in the Black Lives Matter movement. And so Randy, the thing that brings us to talk about this today is that in our recent book, Decolonizing Evangelicalism, we talk a little bit about critical theory. We, we utilize critical race theory to do some, some of our work. It's one of the tools in our toolkit. And uh, people have been sending us some interesting articles recently because, and this is, I cannot overstate how interesting this is. We wondered if this moment in time would be a chance for the evangelicals who've traditionally been against critical theory and critical race theory to switch tracks and to join the momentum uh, that is flowing in one direction right now. But it turns out that actually there is a bit of a backlash that has surfaced in the last couple of weeks where evangelicals have quite loudly pronounced that they are not OK with critical race theory. In fact, it is very dangerous and to be avoided and resisted.
1: Yes. And, and I think, you know, the. The naivete of good, well-meaning people mm-hmm. who think evangelicals are, uh, you know, going to all of a sudden switch and start um, uh, marching on the side of uh, Jesus out in the world uh, doing justice is sweet. It's, it's really uh, endearing to think that people think that. That's nice to have that kind of hope. But if you know anything about the history of the country and you know anything about the history of uh, white American Christianity, um, you see very little hope for that happening.
0: Mm. So the two articles um, that we're going to sort of start with today, launch off of, one is on the Gospel Coalition website. It's called The Incompatibility of Critical Theory and Christianity by Neil Shevny, Shenvey, sorry. And Pat Sawyer also is in a conversation with him there. And then a second article came out on Christianity Today on the exchange with Ed Stelzer, a guest blog by Kelly Hamron, who teaches at Liberty University in the field of literature, and her expertise is 20th century Russian poetry. And I should mention that Neil from the Gospel Coalition website, his specialty is in theoretical chemistry.
1: We were also sent a couple um, uh, videos. There was a a video of a a man, um, uh, and and both of these uh, highlight two black folks who are against CRT, who Mm -hmm. say they come from that, and they've seen the light, and they now are, the sort of token favorite of white evangelicals who can tell them why everything about critical race theory is evil and Marxist. So, um, and, and so we've watched those videos as well. In fact, I was, I've been
0: sent three altogether. Yes. So this is a really interesting development for me because Um, As somebody who in my PhD work engaged critical race theory, and I am currently working on a dissertation that employs critical race theory to look at racial diversity in denominational leadership structures, uh, for me specifically, the United Methodist, and in the last 40 or 50 years, this has been something that I've kept an eye on because as I have taught at two different evangelical seminaries... Uh, at the master and doctoral level, I have always been uh, told by every single one of my students that my little introduction to critical race theory was the first time they had ever heard of it or engaged it.
1: I mean, it's a formalized way Mm -hmm. of having what we call a, a hermeneutic of suspicion or to critically examine the power structures and the power Uh, dynamics and the power uh, inequities in uh, systems and even uh, down to individuals, if you will, sometimes. But the thing is, is that uh, we are uh, at a place now where the evangelicals have said, now, we can uh, dismiss this tool uh, because it and then they give the reasons that it's the devil himself, and even the the uh, the first article where it's by Gospel Coalition sets itself up immediately in the title as a false binary: yeah. you either are for Jesus or you are for critical race theory, right? Yeah. And and this is part of that false binary that existed in every single one
0: of the uh, things that were sent us. Yeah, right. There were some definite themes as we've been uh, listening and reading that emerged. And so I've picked up on a couple of those that I'm hoping that we can spend some time talking about today.
1: Let's break it down before we do that to, to why people should be concerned about this. I mean, why be concerned about some, something people call CRT yeah. and, and why... Why should the average person out there even uh, be interested in this or getting
0: involved in the argument, so to speak? I would say that we live in a moment in time in our culture in North America, which is inherently global now because, uh, and you see the protests around the world. Uh, we live in a moment where there is a serious address and examination of systems of whether it's policing or the economy, uh, racial inequality, and issues of justice. There is a moment where there is not only a cultural, but a generational difference that is emerging that is gonna deeply impact everything from our congregations and denominations to our universities, our police, and even our government, As far as voting and uh, gerrymandering, it's going to impact so many things. Uh, It's complicated by the COVID crisis and how there's probably going to be a migration out of the cities, which have been for the last 50 years, uh, you know, seen as liberal or progressive. And so there's going to be a relocation. So you not only have a geographic element, you have a racial element. You have an economic element, you have a medical element, you have a political element. So this is a live conversation that is happening in our time. We live in one of those moments where people are willing to examine in brand new ways why things work the way they do and why things are set up the way that they are and are possibly um, willing to reinvent them or defund them or reallocate resources in different directions. So the fact that the evangelicals are resisting this and that they have such political and cultural sway in our country, the fact that they are resisting this is noteworthy because this is going to become a major problem. Yes.
1: And, and I would add from a historical note also to this, that this is the same old bugaboo that's been uh, traveling with American white Christianity since mm. the foundation of the country. Mm. So uh, it, it's the same lie that people believe when they believe that Native Americans were more like the Canaanites and that they needed to be conquered and their land taken over. It's, but people believe that from the scriptures, it's the same lie that said that Africans were subhumans and needed to be enslaved. It's the same lie that, that found itself, uh, uh, spread when we, we said that we have to choose between uh, uh, modernism and fundamentalism, and that fight is still being fought today. And many Christians, many people who call themselves evangelicals, uh, went away from any kind of science, and now they're mm-hmm. trying to come back with a pseudoscience. And, and it's the same lie that's perpetrated, that's, that uh, is baked in the bread, if you will, of American white Christianity that continues to surface time after time after time. And this is just a new form of it. And so you need to be aware of what's
0: going on. Randy, that is honestly, that's a really helpful and important distinction between the form and the content because some of what we wanna talk about today is the actual content. For instance, the issue of individualism is, is part of the content, right? Marxism is part of the content. But you and I are also aware that there's a, there's a form issue, which is this looks eerily similar to every single point of resistance that, that this group, the subculture of the evangelicals, employs whenever issues of power or, or, or any uh, uh, moment of the change is called for, when they resist that, they always employ the same form. And so, exactly. yes, we, w- we want to give credibility to the content and actually engage that in uh, a generous way, I hope. But there is a cynical element where we say, Look, this isn't our first time at the rodeo, and we've seen this before. This is actually a strategy from a playbook to to keep things the same by uh, creating a boogeyman out of this thing that wants to make changes.
1: Yeah, and this is just a form of retreat from dealing with the issue of racism Mm -hmm. by a white supremacist mindset that would say individually right so they yeah. they 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 will talk about individuals and you know and then they're so concerned about they they think CRT is about political correctness actually is what they really right. think and uh and, and and do you know what do you do in this time you know the The poor white people don't know how to respond because some people of color are telling them this and others are telling them that. And, oh, I feel so sorry for them, you know, because, you know, they just don't know what to do. And it's all about the individual rather Mm -hmm. than the structures that create Mm -hmm. this system. As you remember from our last podcast on white supremacy, too, uh, I said that structural racism does more damage than overt racism. Mm. And so um, they will not deal, whatever they have to do, they will, they will focus on the individual so they don't have to deal with the structure, right? The structure that will actually make the changes necessary. And this is nothing but white supremacy showing its face once again.
0: Mm. Wow. So Let's break this down into some, some smaller parts, some, some bite-sized chunks. So in both of the articles and in the, the YouTube video, the issue of individualism was placed front and center. And so for people who don't know, and maybe they're not evangelicals, maybe they don't, they're not insiders in that world, they may not understand how individualistic evangelicalism is that when you have an understanding of whether it's salvation or the gospel that has the individual prays a prayer the sinner's prayer and that that person's name is written in the lamb's book of life and then they get they're saved and they get to go to heaven after they die that individualism is the primary way of interpreting the world experiencing the world and engaging any new information so unless you under- what's that especially the scriptures the scriptures right what does this say to me what does god want yeah, it's me? all about me so unless you understand the depth of the individualism you might think well i don't know that it needs to be either or but i always like to point out to people that Evangelicalism is a creation. It's a it was constructed. It's a construct that comes out of European enlightenment of the individual, and exactly. so it was born and designed with the individual being primary, and so uh, it's it's actually impossible to overstate. And I actually really appreciated that the things that. We read and viewed and listened to this week that they were so clear about this, they were very forthright about it. Um, but it's one of those things that sometimes you can't, you know, you can't see the tree that's right, you can't see the forest because of the trees. And this, for me, is just an amazing starting point to say, you're because you already have that as your operating system, individualism. You can't also run a program that examines institutions, structures, and society as a whole uh, in a a way that says that this is systemic because that spot is already occupied by the mentality of individualism. It's just, the place is already taken. So you can't then take a program, to use a computer analogy, which I know is you love technology examples. (laughs) Um, You can't, you know, you can't plant two crops in the same hole, right? It's just, that's just not how it works. Something's already there. And so you can't download this program of examining structures and institutions called critical theory and also have the operating system be individualism. They're really the, sort of incompatible.
1: Yeah, it, it, it is incompatible, um, and, and it's so slick. Yeah, that the way it's done, right? So, so one um, one of the things that uh, that the that we're trying to do, uh, of course, is to in our world today is to decenter whiteness. In other words, everything, which is very difficult, because the whole country has been set up you know, uh, for white folks. Right. And they love the individualism so much that they will go against reason. They will find a, a few token black folks out there who will tell them what they want to hear and make them comfortable because they will focus on the individual and not the structure. You you won't hear those people talking about structural racism. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and then it makes them, uh, defy all reason that they have their, you know, uh, uh, six to 12 black folks out there who they found who are able to, you know, say, Oh, we've seen the light. And, uh, and, and it's all, uh, trying to make us, you know, um, uh, make us, they actually turn it around say it's trying to make racism Mm -hmm. rather than actually do away with racism. Mm -hmm. And they will embrace that and, and not look at the fact that, you know, uh, 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 You know, I don't want to name a percentage, but let's just say, you know, 90 percent of all black folks who are voting Democratic and the majority out there on the street and the majority on the news feeds and everything else who are saying, no, it's time we tackle structured racism. They care so much about the individual that they will allow those few people uh, who will talk to them about individual racism and not about structure um, and ignore all the other facts. Ignore yeah. the facts and figures of the inequities in our society and, and mm. everything else. And say, see, a black person told me who used to be involved in this kind of stuff. And mm. that is their reasoning. That's how much of an individual they are.
0: Mm. You know, oh boy, it's really, it gets, it gets confusing because like even in the Christianity Today article, you know, she said sin is personal. It's individual, it's rooted in the individual's heart, not in society or structures, right? Not institutional. And so when that is your starting point, that sin is an individual act committed by an individual, it's going to be a tough climb to get up to larger structures uh, of systemic racism. Um, It's just, it's, it's a big, big gap. Uh, to ask anyone to cross. So when somebody comes and says, oh, you don't even need to do that, then you feel relieved because then you don't have to do that difficult task to try and bridge the gap. That's right. Yeah.
1: So the second um, thing
0: that I thought was really interesting, and I'm trying not to be too cynical about it, but I think it's telling that all of the stuff um, that we've been engaging in the stuff that's being sent to us, so at least the popular stuff, is done by people who don't do critical theory, don't do critical race theory. So the one guy's a, a theoretical chemist. This woman does 20th century Russian poetry. It's by people who don't subscribe and thus aren't practitioners of critical race theory. That's telling that They're not putting forward. They may not even have, but they're definitely not promoting on their platforms people who do critical race theory and as practitioners have a nuanced understanding of it. Here's my hesitation with this. When you have a predetermined set of conclusions like evangelicalism does, right, because that's fundamentally, that's what it is, is a set of conclusions then you're not free to inquire in good faith, wherever the road may lead. You can't ask a different set of questions if in any way it's gonna lead you to a different set of conclusions. So when the conclusions are predetermined, you only engage a new topic like critical race theory in order to find its flaws and point out its inconsistencies or its limitations and expose it for why you shouldn't do it. So that that's a cynical move, right? That's creating the boogeyman of critical race theory because you didn't actually enter in, in good faith with an open mind in order to engage it. You were only looking for how you can discredit it or how you could um, get out of doing it. And so it's just really telling that every single thing that we're sent or that we have found is is against critical race theory by people who don't do it, and they can't put forward a single proponent of it. That tells me that they have not entered in with an open mind, an open heart, in order to actually uh, engage the subject in a, in a in an integral way. Yeah,
1: and that that's an important point, and it gets back to the idea of the binary, right? Right. It's either this or this. You have to choose. Yeah. And, and, and and we don't know it well enough to understand how it may be nuanced. And so, you know, at a cursory look, you know, I can just point out all the, the, the stuff that's boogeyman, you know, and then, uh, and and then make you choose. And it's based on fear. It's fear mongering. Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, it's, it's really funny how these uh, evangelicals will, you know, talk about scriptures like God has not given us a spirit of fear, but His power and love and sound mind. And, and then play into fear
0: so much. Mm. You know, it's,
1: it's quite hypocritical.
0: So speaking of the boogeyman and fear, the thing that they uh, are really fascinated with is the cultural Marxism. And what I think is happening in that. Is it's it's very much a red herring. And so I'm gonna do two things. I'm gonna try a positive and a negative. So if I try and give them the benefit of the doubt, I'll say they're naive because they're afraid of Marxism, because it's associated with Cold War and communism and Stalin and Lenin, right? And so they're naive because you can do critical theory without ever having read Marx. I mean. People who are learning critical theory now in their schools or are uh, employing it in their advocacy uh, on the streets uh, probably have never even read Marx. It's the legacy is so long and this thing has evolved and adapted and changed over time to the point that so it's like if I were to talk to you about capitalism and I was fascinated with Adam Smith. And I kept saying, well, Adam Smith and the wealth of nations. And blah, And somebody would say, you know, modern contemporary economists, we haven't even read Adam Smith. Like so much work has been done since then. So if I try and read that in a positive way, here's what I came up with, Randy. Because evangelicals are so fascinated with founders like Jesus or John Calvin or Martin Luther or John Wesley, Because they're so focused on founders, they get distracted in their naivete and their unfamiliarity with critical race theory. And so they're fascinated with the founder. And so they point to Marx. So that's the best I can come up with as a generous reading. Here's what I really think is going on. I think that they know it's a big dog whistle that will scare their readers because Marx is associated with anti-American, anti-capitalist, anti-democracy, Cold War, uh, and so it's the enemy. And so they know any time they drop Marx, it is gonna be a dog whistle that will elicit the exact response from their listener or reader that they're hoping for, which is to say, we're not interested.
1: Right, And, and they will even go as far as to explain, like I heard uh, yesterday uh, on the, one of the videos, um, that don't confuse cultural Marxism with, uh, with classic Marxism. Right? Oh. Um, the people who are doing this, blah, blah. but all you have to do is drop that name Marxist and then yeah. you've
0: done your job. So, Yeah. I, it's, it's weird for me how fascinated with Marx they are. And so, you know where I think this thing is rooted? You talked before about that fundamentalist uh, controversy between the modernists and the fundamentalists about a hundred years ago um, that started, before, you know, where the culture war really started, where the culture war fighting started. Here. So Marx gets lumped in by uh, many people with this group called the masters of suspicion, people who lived in the 1900s who said something's wrong with society and there must be something going on behind the scenes. So Freud in psychology, Nietzsche in politics, Darwin in science and Marx in the economy. And some would throw in Feuerbach with religion, but these five guys, let's call them, so impact their their work in the 1900s was so influential or the 1800s, sorry, that it impacted the 20th century deeply. Mm -hmm. It's so deeply that people generally know one or two things about each of those figures, Freud, Marx, Nietzsche, Darwin, and, and Freud, they know something just generally about that. But evangelicals have set them up as the bad guys And they have one line responses for each of them. So for Freud, they say, I don't want to sleep with my mom. For Darwin, they say, I didn't come from apes. For Nietzsche, they say, God's not dead. For uh, Marx, right, they say communism. So they've learned in one fell swoop to dismiss all of those masters of suspicion. And so it's 100 years, Randy, of ignoring this whole line of thought that says something's wrong with modern industrial society, the inequalities, the injustices, the, the, the economic, the environmental, something's wrong. And so by dismissing that entire school of thought, right, which I think is the basis of critical theory, examining the bigger structures instead of the individual, by dismissing them so you know quickly without engaging their thought, there really is a depravity, just a real lack of mental engagement in evangelical subculture. And Mark Knoll has even called this the scandal of the evangelical mind, is that they actually don't want to be educated about these things.
1: Right. And, and ignoring uh, people who ignore, what do we call that? Ignorant. Ignorance.
0: <laughs> Ignorance. <laughs> Whoa. I didn't, I didn't well,
1: see that. As my grandma, used to say ignorant. Yeah. You don't care to know, which to me is, uh, let me, let me theologize for just a second here. If okay. you will. And I did, we I actually did this in our, our book, but, um, the opposite of love is not hate because hate, uh, involves passion and attendance. You have to attend, tend to hate, you know, mm-hmm. but to ignore, to, uh, uh, to 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 be have will for ignorance about something is the opposite of love. You are not attending to the world that you've been put in. So
0: um, I just throw that out. There. Mm.
1: You know, these are the people who claim to love Jesus
0: the most. Yeah, and be lovers of truth. I mean, if if anything, right? You know, the truth and the truth will set you free. But if you say, "Well, Jesus is the truth," then you don't have to look at these other truths. Right we everything we need is found in this one book yeah, yeah.
1: and so and how many points did you have again you had and then you've got done four. two because i've, I've got three i've too. done
0: three so far
1: the, my All right, fourth, I, I have a couple yeah. two afterwards if, if you haven't covered them because i don't know what your points are well my fourth so one sure. is
0: actually your point about the difference between diversity and race oh you didn't do three though yeah, I did Marx, and then before that was scholarship, and before that was individualism.
1: Oh, Marx was your third. Okay, yep. so, okay so, so point number four. Uh, sorry. No, no, I'll, I'll do points five and six, uh, <laughs> and, and then we'll have uh, six
0: points that we did together. All right. So as long as we're talking about cynical moves, and I hate that this is even in my mind. I really don't like that I have to be this suspicious But I think you made an amazing point a while ago to me, and you said it on our last podcast, which is that evangelicals prefer diversity, talk about diversity in a positive and constructive way, celebrating that, to actually dealing with issues of race. And what I'm seeing emerge right now is really actually making me nervous which is that because of the legacy of colonial missions, evangelicals have made a lot of converts. And in that, leg- the, the descendants of those converts is a great racial diversity. It's actually a cultural and ethnic diversity that's actually pretty impressive actually. But because of the things we've already talked about, they would prefer to focus on the positive aspect of ethnic diversity rather than deal with the issue of race. And so that for me is something that makes me very nervous because to use my analogy again, once you already have something plugged into that slot, you, you aren't looking for something else to also plug in there. It's already the place is taken.
1: Right. These things intersect. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) By the way, but come back around and and spin off of each other. But but just a point to and and you could finish your thoughts. But just a point to this idea that um, even or that evangelicals are very proud of of the mission work of the various peoples around the world. Um, I want to say that um, that is not diversity. That's (laughs) more about uniformity than it is diversity. As my grandma used to say, you can put a cat in the oven, but it don't make it a biscuit. (laughs) <laughs>
0: right
1: you can put all different kinds of people together in 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 a room of different colors and different ethnicities but that doesn't mean that there's real diversity interesting because they only accept them if they um act and look and think like them and by looks uh they can't you can't change your skin color right but you can change how you act ethnically culturally etc um and and that is the legacy of. Uh, the history of missions around
0: the world. Yeah. And that goes back again to the fact that, you know, evangelicalism is slippery to define. People really struggle to define it. And the closest anybody gets to actually sort of framing it is going back to this British European evangelicalism of Bevington, but that's not American evangelicalism. And so when you ask, if you really ask what is this thing, what makes you an evangelical? It turns out it's a very tightly defined set of conclusions. It's not a journey. It's a destination.
1: It's a product of the mind and it's a closed system. If it's yes. not a lived experience. Uh, the lived experience is about one experience.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? You yep. have that experience of, of conversion yep. and then that is your lived experience for the
0: rest of your life. Well, those are all of the things that I've sort of noticed as trends in, in the, the stuff that's been emerging in the last couple of weeks. But you had several other things.
1: Yeah. So one of the things that, that as I was reading and listening to all of this is that that comes across is that that the people who are promoting this anti-critical race theory idea um, think that all injustice is equal. And I noticed that they, and, and this goes back to the individualism. It's like, Oh, uh, uh, one person said something like, um, uh, you know, this, this, uh, like they said, a person will say to you, well, this is injustice. And if you don't see it as injustice, then you're a racist. Right. So they're focusing on the individual and then they put you in the position where you have to actually, uh, you know, prove the negative, right. Which is always impossible. You have to, you have to prove, uh, that um, uh, that the that you are um, saying something that is true when they don't see it is true. Oh. So yeah, so so it's like my injustice is the same as yours, and so things will be said like you know, uh, like I heard the um, uh, the good uh, uh, doctor uh, say, um, you know, is there have been too many people. Killed by police, and then he will say, "And too many citizens have killed policemen." Right. So, so it's all equal, uh, right? Uh, and and uh, and so, yeah. I or uh, in this, though, well, I've been treated unjustly too. You know, yeah. there's no account for systemic injustice. There's no account for a legacy, an uh, intergenerational trauma yeah. of injustice. You know, five hundred years of injustice against a certain people, or or four hundred years against an injustice against a certain people, and, and how that has affected thing. It's still, and this again is intersectional with the the uh, individual. But it's like everything is the same. You know, uh, when, when one thing is done wrong, you know, well, okay, that's wrong, but it doesn't mean that the other thing that was done wrong is related to it, right? Randy, really, that is so, fascinating.
0: Um, yeah, so Side note. all, all injustice. Yeah. Side note, I saw an amazing uh, thing that was put out this week that says, you know, this phrase that's being bandied around about one bad apple or just a couple bad apples. And and which is the focus on individual police officers instead of the institution of policing, which I mean, it ties into the same issue. Somebody pointed out, you know, that's half a saying. Finish the saying. A few bad apples spoils the batch. Yeah, spoils the the barrel, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, though, that when you – if you parse that out and you decouple it from the whole saying and you say, well, it's just a few bad apples, it actually means the opposite of what you're trying to say, which is, well, they're bad, but the batch is good. But actually the saying that you're getting that from, right, that's, that's the thing. It spoils the bash. It's amazing how when you don't want to believe something, anything is acceptable to get you out of it. It's like if I don't want to come to your dinner party, literally any excuse is good enough for me to say I can't.
1: It's circular reasoning, right? So, so and it's just like I re- another thing I realized is that white conservative evangelicals love to hear black people bash Obama. I noticed that in several of the uh, things that I saw. It's like, oh, man, when they bash Obama, they are just like fulfilling their wildest dreams, right? Mm -hmm. And so so this one man I heard, he, he talked about you know, Obama was a cultural Marxist to the T, and he he said it years ago, and I, I hate to hear it say I told you so, but I told you so, that the country would be worse off in race relations after Obama than it was before. Now, if that isn't the stupidest thing I've ever heard, you know, it's worse because white supremacists have reacted to Obama, right? And he doesn't give the reasons why it's worse, he just says it's worse because we had a Obama, a black Marxist president. Yeah. Uh, and oh my gosh, but white people love this. They love, like white conservatives love to hear black people bash Obama. And then I heard him go off on Jeremiah Wright and, you know, on and on and on. And, and now they can, uh, every, so for every intelligent black woman and man on television that they hear actually saying these things, they can say, oh, well, that person's a cultural Marxist. So they can write them off, right? So they're giving them exactly the ammunition that they need to ignore the problem. Another point I had uh, is that Jesus himself, it's very easy to see the template where Jesus used what we would say is some uh, elements of CRT. Yes, you know, true he uses it over and over again. And, and one of the first places I thought of was in Luke 4. Yeah, so, uh, so, so here's Jesus at his hometown, and they're happy and they're saying, you know, we're, you know, uh, we, we've been given all this gift from God, and and uh, and they want Jesus to perform miracles like he did in other places. But he says, you know, hey, let me tell you something, there was a woman who was a widow and uh, she was a Syrophoenician and uh, you know what, there was a lot of widows who were starving in Israel. Jesus is right. He's, he's come to pick a fight. And, uh, and, and guess what? Uh, But God sent Elijah to that woman so that she could continually, you know, have oil and make bread and, and uh, you know, and then, and then he gets even worse. He digs deeper. He Mm -hmm. digs his claws in deeper Mm -hmm. and he says, you know there were a lot of lepers in Israel during the time of elisha, but God sent elisha to who to a uh, a, a, uh, a, a a an oppressor a centurion um, and uh, uh naaman uh, was was part of the occupying force at that time and 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 so Jesus is just using uh, this, there, now we know race was not a theory then, but it, there was definitely this sort of otherism. There's always been a cultural otherism, mm-hmm. and he was using this to show them. He was yeah. using this the stories of their own uh, uh, scriptures yeah. to show them what races they were. Yeah, and and the power dynamics involved in this, and so. You know, Jesus is pointing pointing this out. He uses it in John chapter four with the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. He uses it in Luke 15. He, there's places throughout the scriptures where you could actually put this template of critical race theory and say, mm-hmm. look, at, Jesus is using elements of this right now.
0: Yeah, that I love that because, you know, Jesus's use, use of parables and also some of his, his rhetorical devices um you've heard it said but i say to you uh, the way that he mm-hmm. read the sacred text of his time sometimes even against itself he would edit it as yeah. he as he said it again uh but even in that story that you were saying you know he starts by reading isaiah the spirit of the lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor sight to the blind freedom for the captive and people are saying that's me that's us cuz we're oppressed and then he says but not just for you, for all. And they said, how dare you, sir? And they tried to drive him out of town. The interesting, so, part, the interesting part of some of the stuff that we read this week is that um, people have gotten very distracted by the language of the oppressed and the oppressor as if there are only those two camps and they are not overlapping at all.
1: That's part of that false binding, which should be one of our, that should be our seventh point, by the way, Okay. Uh, because it's seven is a great number.
0: So it's true. Uh, So it's just, you know, but even in that story, uh, the audience that he's talking to, they are oppressed. They are occupied by a military force from a different place, right? The Romans have occupied them. So they're oppressed. But then he says, this is for all. And they become oppressors. And this is actually a perfect picture of how we participate in systems, both as oppressed and complicit in the oppression of others.
1: Absolutely. And, and and this is part of that idea of the the equation with Marxism, right? So Marx basically said there, you know, there are workers and 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 then there are bosses. This is in our own vernacular, right? Yeah. So the corporate kings, the corporations, and you know, and those folks, and um and so they equate CRT and they say you're either oppressed or privileged, right? Yeah. And that's a that's a very easy binary to sort of place yourself in and say, which are you? And of course, nobody wants to be the oppressor, right? Mm -hmm. But if we understand that there are degrees in our lives, our multifaceted lives in which we are both oppressing and uh, being oppressed, then it's easy for all of us to say we're all human beings. But again, all injustices are not equal. Mm
0: -hmm. And so
1: we need to understand that as well.
0: Oh, boy. Do you think we've said enough?
1: Maybe. I mean, it is a little bit of a highbrow conversation, but, um, but this, we folks, this is the new ammunition for the, for the culture war right now. We're talking about it. You're going to probably see more and more about it. It's starting to be published in Christian magazines and by Christian Co- Gospel Coalition and people like that. And they are out to stop anti-racism. They're out to stop the control of uh, people of color uh, being involved in, in power and, and taking taking positions of, of what they understand as control away from them. They don't realize, many of them, some do, but most of them don't realize that this is what they're playing into. And so I hope that, uh, that you're out there and, and our listeners are at least – familiar enough with an introduction here so that they can begin to investigate this for themselves, understand the different uh, uh, talking points that people are making, and then um, use their best judgment to come out with a, a place uh, and uh, that, that they uh, can deal with this issue on their
0: own. Thank you for listening in today. Please share this with anyone that you think would be interested or would be agitated. Uh, You can share it with them and say, What do you think about this? Uh, You can comment on our Facebook page. You can comment below in the show notes on our website, or you can email us connect at piecingitalltogether.com. We especially want to thank our Patreon supporters. We've picked up a couple new ones this month and that's fantastic because we need the help. We had to renew all of our licensing fees, and our hosting services. And so we actually have some bills we need to pay. So if you like what you're hearing, if you enjoy this conversation that we host, please support us on Patreon, piecing it all together, P-E-A-C. You can find a link down in the show notes. We'll also link to these two articles we've been talking about and anything else that becomes relevant as we go to press. Yes.
1: Thanks for joining us, everyone. Peace out.